You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. A sunny Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything in your world is going the way you would like it to go. Hope you are uh, doing well in every way. Hope everything is good. Not just me on this episode. Going to go across town to uh, to uh, the unnamed location of uh, Ben McKee's house is his unnamed studio that we're going to give it a name at some point. Also going to go over to the home daycare center to get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing well. And it would be a little weird if it was just you on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not particularly eager to hear that, but, but maybe one of these days we'll be, we'll be forced to. I, I think that's happened a couple times way back when, and uh, it was just like me talking for a minute and then playing interviews and then me talking again and then playing interviews. I think when we were in uh, dire straits to get a pot out one time, I think, yeah. I, think, I think it has happened, unfortunately, for the people out there. But even then, that's not just you because you're at least playing an interview. That's true. Yeah, it's just well, me. one podcast it, it, of all West. That that I don't know if that flies. It's just me. Uh, yeah, I open up like a like a like a live feed on the site, and I just take requests for acapella songs. That's 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 what I do, and uh, it's uh, the barbershop uh, quartet minus the other three people. That's what it is. What's going on, Ben? Oh, hey, how are y'all? Just uh, you know, talking about barbershop quartets and uh, acapella singing and all the other fun things that people who listen to Tennessee uh, athletics podcasts like to hear about would not be a go Vols two, four, seven podcast featuring Wes and Ryan. If Wes and Ryan do not cut each other off within literally the first 30 seconds to 60 seconds of us pressing record. Well, all I wanted to do in this podcast, uh, other than talk about the draft stuff, which you're getting ready to do is how, uh, I don't know how to explain to my son the other day, last night, uh, it was, uh, it was bath time. And uh, he, uh, what's the colloquial word here? Farted in the bathtub and laughed hysterically. And I, I don't know if it's right or wrong to try to explain to him that let's see, he's like 16 months old now. He could live for like another hundred years, and nothing's ever going to be funnier than a fart in a bathtub. But I don't want to like crush his dreams for life. But I also want to be real with him and tell him like, listen, son, it really doesn't get much funnier than this. No matter no matter what, it's just always funny because he laughed for like five minutes it was the bubbles and then five minutes laughter it was fantastic well i i think the good news for him and, and ryan can uh, agree with me is that when he becomes of age we will have have stories to share with him about you that will certainly make him laugh harder that is absolutely possible. that is that is possible you know what uh you know let's see if i can segue this 
people used to laugh at Tennessee during the NFL draft, and I don't think they were laughing this season. Professional segue, how about that? The NFL draft occurred last week uh, in Kansas City, and uh, the Vols had a bunch of guys go off the board as we thought they would. A couple of them maybe a little bit later than we expected, not not too, too much later than we expected, but uh, the bottom line was Tennessee did have a top 10 overall pick. Uh, it was uh, the big offensive lineman Darnell Wright goes 10th overall uh, to the Chicago Bears, our former co-worker Grant Ramey's Chicago Bears. So that was a big one. And then um, and then a bunch of guys started coming off the board uh, a little bit after that when you had just a, just a big run on them in the third round there. You had uh, Jalen Hyatt, uh, you had Cedric Tillman, uh, Byron Young, and uh, who, who were there? Weren't there like four in that stretch, guys? Who am I missing here? Is that all of them? Uh, it was Hyatt, Tillman. Uh, yeah, there were four. Hyatt, Tillman, Young was the last one, and the I believe. Quarterback. And and obviously Hendon Hooker. Yes, that's, yes. How are we forgetting Hendon? Yeah, the uh, I tell you what, the NFL forgot him in the second round. I can tell you that much. Um, but you know the 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 big deal there. You had one guy go in the top 10 overall, which was a big deal for Tennessee. Hadn't happened in a while. And then you had the second round go by where we thought maybe some guys would come off the board, and they did not. Uh, The Titans did take a quarterback in that round. It was not Hendon Hooker. It was, uh, uh, unfortunately, probably for a lot of Titans fans out there, it was Will Levis. And uh, then you had the big run there where you had uh, a bunch of guys going interesting places, right? You had uh, Cedric Tillman going to the Browns where the Haslam's just were like, we can't quit you, Cedric. So he's going to go up there and play for them. You had Hendon Hooker going to the Detroit Lions, who have not won a playoff game since 1991, but but did look better last season. Uh, I think looked exciting on offense and with Goff and some of those guys there, they've got some, some interesting things going on there in that in that organization. You had Jalen Hyatt going up to the the biggest media market in the country, going to the uh, New York Football Giants, and then you had um, you had Byron, you had um, Edge guy Edge guy going over Byron Young that the Tennessee version, not the Alabama version, going to the second biggest media market in the country and going to Los Angeles. Guys, before we Wes, talk- we'll, we'll, we'll send you a list of of who was drafted, Wes. Yeah, I, I had it up on my the, – the the thing is, this is the true story. I had it up in, like, one of the tabs here to make sure I didn't miss anything, and I X'd out that tab and not the one next to it that I wanted to X out. So that's why I had to ad-lib it a little bit there. But that's what's going on with the draft. Before we break it down a little bit more individually, guys, what did you think overall? Because I got a lot of thoughts on here, too, about some good things and some things that I didn't think were maybe that great. But what do y'all think about the draft overall for Tennessee? There were none of those guys who were kind of fringe guys who ended up being free agent signees afterward. We'll talk about them later. Um, so it just was those the main guys that we knew were going to get drafted. What did you think of the, the, the three-day experience overall for the Vols? I thought it was a great couple of days. I thought it was maybe unfortunate for Tennessee that they didn't have as many first-round picks as as we maybe thought that they could have. I, I think all of us at GoVols two four seven thought that Hendon Hooker was was going to slide into to the first round, but mm-hmm. uh, in, in hindsight, maybe we got too caught up in, in the moment of the excitement of the NFL draft, and and I I mean I think he should have gone in late first round, second round, Thir- third round is a-, a little bit low, but oh, just generally speaking, he-, he probably went about where he should have gone. Uh, he- he's in that second to-, to third round range. And 
Uh, I do love the fit for him. I, I absolutely love Dan Campbell uh, in this new version of the Detroit Lions. And uh, Hendon does have a lot to prove as an NFL quarterback, but I, I think if he can translate to the NFL the way that we think that he can, I, I think he is a guy that can be the the final piece to a a culture that has already been rebuilt and is in a fantastic place. Uh, you you know they're going to play great defense under Dan Campbell for the most part. Uh, they're obviously still trying to uh, accumulate talent. Yeah, and, they need dudes to do that. Yeah. Yes, and they've, they've been doing a, a pretty good job with that. But uh, you know that they have a defensive mindset, and you know they're going to play hard in the trenches uh, along the offensive line as well and, and protect Hendon. And, and they have nice skill position players as well at, at receiver, at, at running back. So uh, assuming Hendon translates to the NFL the way that we think that he can, I, I think Hendon can be that final piece that pushes Detroit over the top. I, I don't know if over the top means going and winning a Super Bowl. That That is a huge, huge task. But Wes, I thought you wrote a, a great column on kind of where Tennessee was at when when Hendon arrived at Tennessee and, and how he helped change Tennessee football's trajectory. And I think he can do the same thing for the Detroit Lions. So uh, unfortunate for Hendon that he, he kind of fell further than we thought, but I thought it was a, a great landing spot for him. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I, I, I thought the same thing as well. I'm higher on Daniel Jones than most. Not that I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but I, I think he's good. I, th I think he's serviceable, more than serviceable. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you, you've got some other weapons on, on the offense to where he doesn't have to be the go-to guy because I don't think that's what Jalen Hyatt is. Uh, I, I don't think he's the best route runner in the world. Uh, I, I don't think that he is somebody that's that in the NFL is going to line up and, and win man coverage every single time. Uh, so just kind of being an additional piece is where I think he's going to make his money. And I think the Giants are a good fit for that. Uh, Darnell Wright, he would have been a great fit wherever he goes. But you saw Justin Fields fired up on Twitter. And, and I don't think that that was just uh, – uh, uh, the the typical first round tweets that you, you you see from teammates, I think he was genuinely excited, and I, I think Darnell Wright kind of his grit fits the the style of what you envision a Chicago Bear being, and, and I, I think he'll fit well within that offense. Uh, Byron Young, I I think he kind of fits anywhere as well. He, I mean, he's just a pass rusher, can be a, a situational guy there uh, in. In LA and then Cedric Tillman as well. They're, they're just good football players that, that are pretty much going to translate anywhere they're, they're drafted to for the most part. The, the Tillmans, the Wrights, the Hookers, the Byron Youngs. I, I do think Jalen Wright or Jalen Wright, Jalen Hyatt needed to go in the right position, Ryan, to the right team. But the rest of those guys, they're, they're good football players that, that, that are going to be good football players no matter where they go. Um, but I, I think that although they maybe went a little bit lower than we thought, I, I think it was still an overall great, great weekend for Tennessee. And the most important part, we talked about this kind of preview in the draft, they all ended up in good situations, and that's more important than where they got drafted. I, I don't completely agree that they all ended up in perfect situations. I think a lot of them ended up in good situations. I actually don't love the landing spot for Jalen Hyatt. I think he could have ended up in a much better situation than with the Giants personally uh, because they have some other slot receivers on the roster, and I think he might have to be a slot receiver at least early in his career as he continues to, to learn you know, getting off press coverage and things like that, and the Giants have. Wandale Robinson, the former Kentucky standout. They've got Jamison Crowder, 
on the roster. They, they've got some other guys that can play in the slot. Um, so where he fits in with that group is going to be interesting to me. And I, 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 Daniel Jones still, I mean, I like that the Giants are putting pieces around Daniel Jones, but I, I, I'm still among the group that's not sold on him as a, as at least a, a productive enough quarterback that Jalen Hyatt can count on putting up big numbers there. So I think that's a, you know, if he had ended up with somewhere in somewhere like Kansas City, that was a, a spot that some people thought he might slide into the first or second round uh, with the Chiefs needing some receiver help. You know, that could have been a great spot for him because they know how I to use the him. They would they would know exactly how to use a guy like exactly, him. exactly. And so, so I think he's a guy that could have benefited from going to a more established offense where he didn't need to be a guy right away uh, that that kind of just takes center stage and where he also could have a clearer path to playing time. So in those two senses, I don't love the spot there as much, but the other ones for the most part, I do like where they landed it. Oh, overall though, to, to back to the original question, I, I liked, I, it was a good day for or good couple of days for Tennessee. And, and that, that 30 minute window where Tennessee had four guys go in a span of nine picks or whatever, that's that, that was a heck of a run for Tennessee. Uh, if anybody was watching around that time, uh, a lot of good publicity for Tennessee, obviously during that stretch, uh, and a lot of there was just a lot of talk about Tennessee leading up to the draft too, because they had some fascinating players. You know, Hendon Hooker was a fascinating player who who generated legitimate first round buzz that, that like you said, Ben convinced us that he might go in the first round. Uh, and, and if anything, I've kind of learned from following the draft process uh, enough years now, and, and I should be reminded of this all along. Sometimes your original gut thought on players is right. Um, and, and in this, in this in instance, my initial thought on Hendon Hooker coming out of last season was I don't see him going hi- higher than the second or third round because of system concerns, and then that injury didn't do him any favors. But as the, as the year went along, and I think there was more uncertainty about some of the quarterbacks, and these mock drafts keep coming out that show five quarterbacks going in the first round, it just – in hindsight, five quarterbacks for for this first round probably was too many, given the the question marks around this group of quarterbacks. And, and it's maybe less surprising in hindsight that they slid to the to the third round. I thought he still might go second round, but but still a pretty good spot. And I love the situation for Hendon Hooker in Detroit, as as you kind of discussed a little bit already. So overall, a good couple of days for Tennessee. And hey, f- five guys in the first what seventy five picks or so. That's a that, that's a heck of a, a, a draft for Tennessee compared to what we were talking about just a few years ago. So this program's clearly come a long way, and it, it's a it's a big draft for Tennessee to continue to establish itself as a as a top program that can put players in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I've been a guy who who said going into the draft, and I said it for for a while that I thought and still do that in the long run, Cedric Tillman will be a better, more productive pro than several of the wide receivers drafted ahead of him. And then he he goes on and gets drafted by the Browns, and I'm like, oh god, well, I, is that still going to happen? I mean, that got Deshaun Watson, so uh, you know, at least purely on the football field, he's a good he's a good quarterback, good football player, and, and he he's the he you know the kind of receiver he's had success with in the past is someone a little bit like Tillman, basically. So so I think he still could end up being that guy. I think he could get a lot of targets in in that system. I do like everyone else. I like the the landing spot for for Hooker. I I, I do wonder. Um, I do wonder with Darnell Wright. I, 
he's a guy who now that he's going to be a first-round pick again, he's a top-10 overall pick, there's a lot of pressure that comes with a situation like that. Not too dissimilar from, say, the amount of pressure that he had coming in as a five-star player at Tennessee where it took him a few years to really kind of hit the ground running and assimilate and be be at the level he needed to be at. So if he can – if your general rule of thumb is if you ball out in the SEC consistently, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance of doing that in the NFL – We'll see if that wins the argument, or if he if it's going to kind of revert back to it was in high school, and he needs a few years to to adjust because that's a big market. There is a lot of pressure. That's a big fan base, a huge media following. He he is going to be expected to be good, and if he is not, that is not a town where you're not going to hear about it. It's not like it's Philly or anything, but there's going to be some pressure that comes with that, and I'm interested to see how he sort of handles that. But that that's just a thought that I had that I thought if he had gone somewhere a little smaller market, maybe things could have been a little better, but, but we'll see. I, I agree. A, I agree. A, Sorry, a great, <laughs> I, I think that's a great point, Wes. Uh, and you're absolutely right. And, and to throw some optimism on it. Um, I, I think it's great that Darnell is still young, uh, that, that he's, I believe 22 years old mm-hmm. or, or about to turn 22 years old, uh, about to go through this whole season as a 22 year old. Uh, I, I think that even if he does have those growing pains that, that you were discussing, which is a, a fair question uh, and, and something honestly is a, a fair question for everybody that, that got drafted. I mean, they're going to the freaking NFL. Sure. That, that is a huge adjustment. They're, they're now professional athletes college football is terrific it's high level especially in the sec Uh, it definitely prepares you for the nfl but just because you had success in the in the sec and in college football does not mean that that you're going to be successful in the nfl because it's just a whole different ball game they're they're all grown men uh it's just it's just different it it just is so uh even if he does go through those growing pains ryan i think it's great that Darnell is young. Like there is room for him to grow as he gets older. Like there, there is, I don't know about a red shirt year, especially when you're drafted as high as he was yeah. drafted, but like a grace year or even two. Uh, I even kind of think back to the Titans and Isaiah Wilson. I, I know that was a complete debacle, but they, they were still, even though year one didn't go according to plan, like there was still some hope year two, Maybe, and I can't remember when he got cut, but there was still a little bit of hope after the, those first couple of months didn't go according to plan. There, there will be a little bit of that with Darnell, whereas like with Hendon, I, I hate that it's this way, but because Hendon is 25 years old and he's a quarterback, like his his clock is ticking. It, it, it's kind of, I mean, it, it's not like you better be ready by this season or else you're done for. But like he he has got to be a little bit more urgent than I think Darnell will have to be a little bit more urgent. Well, I, I agree on that. Now I, I think Wes makes a good point though. The 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 bar is going to be set very high for Darnell Wright. Uh, not just the fact that he's a first round pick, but a top ten pick. And this a like, first top ten pick for Tennessee since Eric Berry, I believe. That's that's pretty wild. Um, yeah. But but a heck of a statement there about uh, Darnell Wright in terms of ability. Uh, that, that he ends up going that high, and you know, Wes, I know just you and I just a year ago didn't didn't see him going in the top two rounds, uh, much less yeah, not in not, the top not, ten. not not until his about midway through his senior year when I was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I was wrong. 
So, so he's, he, he always had that kind of ability, but he, he just started to reach his potential. And one of the things about him that changed, and this is where I, for his sake, I hope he's turned the corner here completely. Um, so sometimes good college staffs can, can get things to work and it doesn't necessarily fix that thing about, uh, about a player, but I, I don't think Darnell was always the hardest worker his first couple of years. He's going to have to be a really hard worker in the NFL. That's the expectation. Um, they're not going to push you to, to do your job in the NFL. So I, I think he's turned the corner in that regard. It, it showed in his play on the field this, this past year and a half, two years. But I, 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 that's the one question about him. You know, he's got every bit of the ability that he needs. He's just got to continue to work hard because he's going to face, obviously, world-class players uh, at, at maybe the toughest, one of the toughest positions in football, where you're on an island against amazing athletes coming after the quarterback every single play. So can he can he hold up there? I mean, everyone that that knows him and knows what's expected at that position, though, seems to think he's going to be a long-term player in the NFL. So I think he's got a very good chance of being successful. But you're you're right, Wes. There's pressure in Chicago and, and big markets like that. And there's always pressure on guys who go in the top half or so of the first round. You know, Taylor Lewan with the Titans, another guy that went around that range. I think he was the number 11 pick or something like that. Uh, and, and he ended up being kind of a polarizing player for a lot of a lot of Titans fans for years. And, and you know, it was always a good player, but just, you know, d- kind of got in his own head sometimes, made some boneheaded decisions. All that stuff gets dissected more in the NFL. And, and Darnell Wright, I, Patrick kind of touched on this leading up to the draft. We didn't talk to him uh, in, in media <laughs> at Tennessee. He's good he, at it. He's he good at it, but he didn't want to do it. He's very good at it. Uh, but I, I, I wonder, you know, is he is he going to handle stuff like that well when he has a tough day? You know, if he gives up three sacks in a game, he's going to have to face questions about that after the game. There's there's no ducking the media in an NFL locker room. Not for free. You know, not for not for free. And and certainly not in, in Chicago. You know, how, how are you going to handle that? So there there's some questions still about him, but I, I think for the most part. He's one you feel pretty confident in that ability-wise, he's going to be just fine, uh, and that he belonged in that top ten. And uh, good, good for him. What what a meteoric rise in the span of about a year uh, to fly up draft boards like that and, and take advantage of what it, what what kind of potential he always had. Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I just the reason I said it about the Bears was because I know that's kind of a. A, a franchise where they're perennially frustrated. At least they have been for a while now. They they haven't had the kind of success they feel like they should. And honestly, I don't think they're wrong. They should be a more successful franchise. And with with all the things they got going on for them there, and and it just seems like there's been a lot of situations up there in recent years where you know kind of the the media and fans start t- to turn on a player, and then a player gets frustrated, and nobody's really happy about it. And I I just hope he can avoid that because he he got through that on a smaller scale when he was at Tennessee, which was a major college program, but certainly nothing like the magnifying glass of the NFL. So so I hope that um, whatever it was that Glenn Ellerby unlocked with him, I hope he can now keep doing that and unlocking it himself and being the player that he can be. Before we go to break, guys, any Anything that really piqued your interest in some of the free agent signings after the draft? Because I still say that a couple of those guys who weren't drafted have legitimate chances to stick around that league for a few years. And if I'm wrong about that, that's fine. It won't be the first time. But I I think a couple of those guys have a chance to actually be players in this league. I think so, too. I I, I like the I've always liked the potential of Jerome Carvin to to hang around in the NFL. I, I think he's got a chance. And. Uh, seeing him land in Kansas City makes me wonder, you know, how how much, if if at all, did Trey Smith have to do with with him ending up there? Whether it was by the Chiefs, just kind of seeing Jerome Carvin on film every time they they evaluated Trey Smith, 
or or whether Trey put in a good word for him and said, "Hey, you need to go get this guy." Uh, but whatever the case, I, I, I love that. Uh, you, you love the stability of the Chiefs franchise and their yeah. their uh, their ability to go find some hidden gems like that. Uh, and, and I think he's, you know, Carvin has the look of a guy that to me, if where if he can catch on, and that's a position where you can catch on sometimes as an undrafted free agent on the oh, offensive yeah. line, yeah. especially interior linemen, uh, more so than tackles. But if you can catch on there as a as an undrafted free agent at your first spot or somewhere this first year, that's that's the beauty of it. He doesn't have to make the Chiefs roster even. He just needs to show well in the preseason, and it sounds you know they'll get a new. A little more extended look in the preseason, I believe, starting this year. Does, doesn't that rule go to go into effect now, where it's just one cut instead of the roster being gradually cut down throughout the yeah, preseason? I think that's right. So, yeah. so you get a more extended look in the preseason this year, um, and, and he's just got to go out and catch somebody's eye as someone who might help his team. Where even if the Chiefs cut him, maybe he gets signed to a practice squad somewhere. But if he can just catch on somewhere this first year or two, it's critical, obviously, to take advantage of your opportunities early. I think he could stick around. And Princeton Fant, too, I think, you know, with the Cowboys, they needed some tight ends. He's a versatile enough guy to line up in the backfield, do some different things. I, I, I'm i really interested to see how that works out because I've, I've always thought he was a little bit of a kind of a Swiss Army knife uh, with what he did last year in the even in the backfield. I don't think you'll see him do that in the NFL this uh, <laughs> moving forward, but he he can at least line up in a few different spots at tight end and had a had a good senior year. So I, I think he fell into a pretty good spot and not surprised to see that. I thought he'd be at least – uh, a fairly high choice for a couple teams. Yeah, I, I just to echo Ryan's sentiments, I, I'm really high on Jerome Carvin and Princeton Fant. I, I think both of those guys are, are guys that can that can stick for sure in the NFL. Th- those are the two undrafted guys that, that I'm high on. Uh, I, I believe Jeremy Banks can stick with the team <laughs> when I see it. Uh, and Paxton Brooks has the leg to do so. It, it's just hard to, to stick stick to a team as a specialist uh, because like Patrick said on on the preview pod there's only 32 jobs uh, it, it's not like Jerome Carvin where th- there's several interior offensive line jobs on a roster or, or even Princeton fan a, a couple of tight end jobs so I think Princeton fan and Jerome Carvin I, I'm high on them both because of yes their ability as a football player and, and their makeup who they are what they can be in a locker room but mainly because of their versatility and undrafted guys like that, the the ones who don't have the elite traits uh, that get you drafted in the first, second, third round, whatever, or just drafted simply, you, you have to be versatile in, in order to to stick in the NFL. Princeton fan is going to have to do everything on offense that he did at Tennessee in terms of being able to play different spots, but also play special teams. Uh, because there are only 47 guys, I believe that dress on Sundays. So these teams are looking for guys that can fill multiple roles on Sunday because so few guys dress out and Princeton Fant fits that to a T and even Jerome Carvin can, can be a, a protector on special teams or whatever. And then obviously can play center can play either guard position. That's why I'm really high on those two guys. And and those are good landing spots, good, good organizations. Uh, and they, they can absolutely compete for playing time. And a couple of other uh, former Vols also. Uh, you were mentioning Jerome Carvin, obviously. Uh, Wanya Morris uh, is going up there, too. He he got drafted by them. 
Uh, and, and obviously Henry Toa got drafted a little bit lower than, than a lot of people maybe would have thought, but that's because uh, inside linebackers are, are just kind of – it's kind of hard to get drafted high as an inside linebacker these days. It's kind of the way things have gone. But there's a lot more uh, – also Eric Gray also it, it will be in the National Football League now, so congratulations uh, to those guys. Um, but we need to talk about other things, including uh, some comments Josh Heupel made about his offense in the NFL that I, I think well, were pretty interesting. Wes, I have one thought on that before you move on completely. Okay. Patrick had a great tweet. I don't have it pulled up right now about the number of NFL players from that 2020 Tennessee roster or offense. My God, in hindsight, it's staggering. What, 10 NFL players on the 2020 offense yeah. and that team won three, three games? I mean, mm-hmm. they, weird year, 10-game schedule, all that stuff worth throwing out there. But my goodness, to get three wins out of that NFL talent is – yeah, looks bad. Yeah, it's it's not a great look. It's not a it's it's there, there's no way to slice that up and and uh, sugarcoat that and, and and serve it on a plate for dessert. It's it's not good. It's not it's not good. But there are some other interesting things to discuss. Some of which are good. Some of which are maybe not great. But uh, I think some things that Josh Heupel said about his offense and vis a vis the NFL were pretty interesting. So we're going to come back from this break and we're going to discuss that and a couple other things. But we knew, do need to get to break first. So. Uh, we're going to pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. Ben McKee coming to you from his unnamed studio there on a different part of town. We are three dudes coming from three different parts of Knoxville, and we are covering Tennessee athletics for you on this Go Vols 24-7 podcast, talking primarily football and uh, Tennessee volunteers in the NFL draft on this episode. But before we get back to that, uh, just a quick uh, request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate it if you're just listening for free right there on GoVols247.com. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere 
anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. But since you're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell people around you. Uh, you can still do it that way. You can still tell people about a podcast and they will go listen to it because you told them. So please go do that. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, back to Tennessee and the NFL draft. Uh, One thing that I found interesting is you could make the argument that like Darnell Wright, is an offensive tackle and a premium offensive tackle, one of the best offensive tackle talents in the draft. So he was going to go first round pretty much no matter what sort of system he played in in college. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, but beyond that, things got a little different with Tennessee's offense, and all three of those guys who got taken after him uh, got taken perhaps a little bit later, at least a little bit later than they could have been. Now, you can make arguments in all three cases why it had nothing to do with Tennessee. Ryan Hendon Hooker, uh, he's 25 years old, and he's coming off a torn ACL. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, uh, there's questions about, you know, potentially some some durability. He's a small guy, and some guys, sometimes the NFL, that that can kind of give people some, some questions. Uh, and with Cedric Tillman, uh, he took a few years to become the player he was at Tennessee, and then he had an injury, and, you know, do you have enough tape recently from him? So so you can, you can make arguments in all three of those cases that what – the reason they may have slipped a little bit has nothing to do with the fact that they played in that offense. However, when I think you put all three of them together and they go maybe at least a tiny bit lower than they could have, I think it's fair to again ask, are people still hesitant to take people in this offense, in this system? Uh, Josh Heupel had some really interesting comments about this and kind of doubled down saying they believe in what they do, that the NFL – uh, sort of, you know, it used to be that the the college teams would copy what NFL teams were doing. Now he thinks more NFL teams are copying what college teams are doing, and that he thinks people are asking him about this the scheme a lot. They're asking Hendon Hooker, they're asking Jalen Hyatt, they're asking Cedric Tillman. He also said that it maybe was a little bit annoying to Hendon Hooker that he kept getting asked about his ability to play in an NFL offense because he played in this Tennessee system. And he had to defend himself saying how many things he does in 10 to 12 seconds on every play, how many decisions he has to make. And if you can do that, then you can you can run an NFL offense. So opening the floor for discussion here, but I, I think it's fair when you look at all three of those guys going maybe a little bit lower. I think it's fair to ask if if people are still, you know, a little bit hesitant to take these guys from this offense. I think that's a it, it's a fair question. Uh, now, I, I think it probably is more on a case by case basis. Uh, I, I would personally say that Cedric Tillman went about where a lot of people were expecting him to go. It was kind of toward the end that his stock started to climb a little bit. We thought where there was some talk of maybe early second round or or in one projection even late first round. Uh, but most people all along kind of thought about where he went might be roughly the the range to to expect him to go. You know, Jalen Hyatt maybe a little bit lower on him, but I think that's a little bit because of the type of player he is as much as the system. And that's where the system kind of plays into it. But I, I think the NFL teams can kind of look past that. I think with Jalen Hyatt, it's more about, it, to me anyway, is he just a slot receiver? Because – he, he has had to put on weight, and he's now over 180 pounds uh, as of Tennessee's pro day. But, you know, he's not, he was, you don't have any film that really shows him proving he can get off press coverage consistently 
especially against NFL-level cornerbacks. And he's obviously going to face that if he lines up on the perimeter in the NFL. You know, does he have to line up in the slot? If he's only a slot receiver, that limits where teams can use you and, and how often they can use you in the NFL. So that's that's something that might have played into that. With Hendon Hooker, I think he's the one that might have been the most directly impacted by the system. And in, in, in his case, quarterbacks especially get a lot of scrutiny. Like NFL teams, they have those top 30 meetings with you especially. They can sit down, really ask you a lot of questions. They talk to you at the combine, and they can get into, okay, what do you know? What concepts do you already understand? What would we have to teach you? And if, he, if you're looking at a 25-year-old guy, as Ben mentioned already, uh, and, and you're thinking this is the guy we might have to develop on the mental side of things because he's not fully uh, uh, familiar with all the concepts and the things that we're going to ask him to do, that might be a little much, and that might that might cause him to fall down your board from a possible late first round pick to a third round pick. So it's it's an open question as to to how much of a of a thing this really is for the future. I do think Tennessee needs some of these guys eventually to to have some NFL success. You know, that's one knock on this offense is that it's it's yet to produce a real success story at quarterback in the NFL. You know, you've seen guys like Drew Locke and now Hooker go but other, pretty early other, in the draft. Other air raid type guys have made that tra- tradition, you know, transition. Air, guys like Mahomes, air, other air raid type, or, or or things that are a little bit that have some of these principles. Some of these guys have made that transition. Air, air raid types, but I'm referring kind of more specifically to the Art Bryles type system, where you know, Art, I guess RG three, you'd put in that in that discussion. You know, there've been some guys who've who've had had some moments in the NFL, but not really a lot of long-term success stories in the NFL. So that's that's something I think Tennessee is eventually going to have to get some answers for. That doesn't mean they need Hendon Hooker to go be a star or they're in trouble. They've obviously got a couple more guys on the way who are probably going to have a chance to go in the draft themselves, and Joe Milton and, and obviously Nico Iamaliava after that, if he lives up to the uh, to the expectations that he's he's got coming in. But I, I, I do think they eventually are going to have to get someone to have some NFL success to kind of work against that, um, that, that's, that's, that narrative because it is out there. And, and NFL teams, I think, have, have questions about it at least. It doesn't keep you from getting drafted, but it might drop your stock at least a little bit because there is the concern that these guys are not using quote-unquote pro-style concepts all the time and that they're going to face an adjustment at the NFL level. It's why I said on the preview podcast that it's it's great to have all these guys drafted, that that's a great step for Tennessee to have. It's great that Tennessee was able over this past week to to add Darnell Wright's name to, to the list of players in the facility of first-round picks and take a nice, cool video of it and, and put it on social media and, and all the graphics and all all of that is absolutely great. I'm not trying to downplay that whatsoever, that that is great for recruiting. But as the the program uh, progresses and, and tries to take the next step and, and win more recruiting battles with the Alabamas, the, the Clemsons, the, the Georgias, that they've been starting to win some here and there, but in order to to win some on a regular basis and get the players truly necessary to go win a national championship, uh, because on a side conversation, and we can say this conversation for a different podcast, but uh, a whole lot of five stars made up the first round of, of the NFL draft. Like yes, th- there is did. a yep. correlation to the guys <laughs> that. Uh, the Alabamas and Georgias are are getting in, in the NFL draft. And that's what guys care about the most. That, that's what they care about the most, that and NIL money. And if they can win along the way, 
then cool. But but the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s of recruiting to, to where guys were sold on tradition and winning a national championship, those days are over. I hate it. I absolutely hate it because that's not the college that's the college football that I grew up loving. Uh, this version of college football to where the pride and and pageantry and tradition and all that, where it's not prioritized by the players, that that kind of bugs me. If if I'm going to be old man yelling at the clouds here, but uh, again, that's a separate conversation. But it all ties in to if Tennessee wants to take the next step and and get those guys that win you national championships and and, and win those recruiting battles more on a regular basis. Getting them drafted is one thing, but I also do think there's an element to where they need Darnell Wright to go have a good career in Chicago and in the NFL to prove that offensive linemen can develop in this up-tempo system. And there, there's a there, there's a thought process that they're not asked to do as much because they don't have to block as long. Darnell Wright going to the NFL uh, – kind of falsifies that narrative and, and throws it out the window if he can go have a successful career. I, I think everything that Ryan said is is absolutely fair uh, about Hendon Hooker. Uh, I, I do think it is also fair. Um, I, I think the system also helps in other ways in the sense of, yes, he may have some more concepts and more plays to learn that that he maybe didn't necessarily learn at Tennessee, but I think with how this offense requires quarterbacks to make so many decisions so quickly, I think that highlights a very important trait that you have to have in the NFL, and that is something that Hendon Hooker absolutely has, his yep. ability to make the correct decision in, in a timely manner, in a split second, in, in a matter of split seconds. Like I, I think that is going to prove him very, very well, well at the next level. So, But they, they do need Hendon to not go have a Hall of Fame career or, or go be Jalen Hurts, but to be a, a nice quarterback in the NFL. He, I don't I don't think it's good for Tennessee if he's just Josh Dobbs. And not to knock Dobbs, there, there's nothing wrong with being a career backup. You're you're correct collecting a check and, and all that. That's great. I'm I'm really not trying to knock Dobbs, but in terms of trying to eliminate this conversation of this system not preparing guys for the NFL for quarterbacks for the NFL they need somebody to go be a great quarterback in the NFL go be a good quarterback in the NFL because that's when you can really put that conversation to bed is when you get the receivers when you get the quarterbacks when you get the offensive linemen when you not only get them drafted but when they have success in the league yes it's not all on the school there's a lot of circumstances involved but if you can get them playing well in the NFL I, I think you can really use that to your advantage on the recruiting trail. And especially with Tennessee's offense and, and how quirky it is, you can eliminate all these side conversations that are that are popping up more frequently with the more success that Tennessee has. Well, I, I there, there's three quick thoughts I have, and I'll, I'll get all of them out of my mouth as quickly as I can here because I know we're a little bit pressed for time. But I think one is I, I think in the past three or four years, I think Heupel's had more wide receivers drafted than any college head, head coach. I think that's one thing uh, to just to note. Uh, I think a second thing to note would be that all of those guys who were drafted, especially on offense, 
um, if they had come out like a year earlier or if they had not played in that offense and not putting up the production they had at Tennessee, I think they all went higher maybe than they would have before. So I think that part of it is something Hypo can point to is, hey, look, what we've developed with these guys here. Um, and, and the other thing that I've got is if I'm Hendon Hooker, the thing that would offend me a little bit is – when people who are pulling out some of those highlights, particularly the Hyatt ones, the Hyatt ones are the most obvious ones, where they have obviously, you know, with their pace and with their their scheme, they have gotten him wide open. They've gotten him behind the defense, and and those are not a lot of times overly complicated throws that he made to Hyatt. However, a lot of those throws that Hendon Hooker made last season consistently were big boy throws. And I don't know where this came from, this this concept that he just threw to nothing but wide-open receivers all the time. He made some huge throws in huge spots that absolutely won ball games. The play that that the the fifteen second drive against Alabama there late to to get the field goal that's NFL stuff right there. The stuff that he did there that's big time, right? You look at some of the throws he made to help them win that pit game, big time. The throw he made um, when LSU was still a game early on that touchdown that he threw uh, in the back of the end zone to to high it. You couldn't place the ball better than that. He made those throws consistently throughout the season. And if you can make those throws with that arm strength and knowing the angle, knowing where to get it over the linebacker in front of the safety, across the hashes, he made every kind of throw that you have to make in that league. And and I think it's a bit insulting for them to sit there and say, well, he threw a lot of open touchdown passes to Jalen Hyatt. Okay, that's part of the tape. Have you watched the entire games? Like, I don't think a lot of people have. When you have... I think you get a much better appreciation for Hendon Hooker as a football player because of the throws that he did make all year long. I, I don't think the questions about Hooker so much are about the w- whether he can make the throws. I think so much of it's just decision-making and is he used to going through his reads and his progressions the way you have to as an NFL quarterback in an NFL system. Uh, and and I, I do wonder if the Georgia tape, the Georgia game comes to mind as as maybe the the nightmare scenario for Hendon Hooker where that that game he didn't have receivers getting open. And what happened, we saw him hold the ball a bit too long, and he took some sacks. He was having to throw the ball away at the last possible minute. In the NFL, if you hold it a half second too long, you're getting sacked. Um, So he that's the the worry is that maybe if those guys aren't wide open, is he going to process things and get through his reads quickly enough? Now, the reason I think Hooker has a good chance still in the NFL is his reputation coming in, don't forget, and why Tennessee brought in Joe Milton to take over that job in 2021 was because he, he was known as a checkdown guy at Virginia Tech. So you take a guy who's now learned how to throw the ball down the field and be more aggressive, and you combine that with a previous checkdown mentality and his, his knack for not throwing interceptions, I think that could translate okay which to the he, NFL. Which but, he didn't do at either place. He has never thrown a lot yeah. of interceptions. So that, that works in the NFL. I mean, how many times have you seen Tom Brady go down in a two-minute drill with a lot of checkdown throws, that, that that can work in a league where sometimes four touchdown drives can can win you a game. Uh, you just got to sprinkle in some touchdowns along with some three and outs uh, to, to to win a game. It's all about who can put together a w- game winning drive in the fourth quarter. So I, I I think there's some things about his game that could translate, but I, I think there there are still questions about it, and that's why it's more about can he process things quickly once he once he he sees a disguised look. 
Is he going to read that right? Is he going to make the right decision? And is he going to go through his progressions in three seconds? That, that's what it's all about, I think. So not so much about the throws. It's about the mental side of things. And, and I thought the Georgia game was more of an indictment on the receivers in the offensive line than Hendon Hooker. Not, not saying that. Agreed. I didn't think he had much of a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, not saying that Hooker played his best football. Not, not at all trying to, to say that. But I, I think the guy that has the most questions to, to answer based off of Tennessee's offense in that particular conversation is Jalen Hyatt. Yep. Uh, yep. Because you, you, have to, you have to be physical in the league. You just have to be. You, you have to beat man coverage. You have to beat press coverage. You have to get off the line of scrimmage. And that, that's not something that he has done at, at a high level uh throughout his career and I, I don't even think that he did it this past season at a high level not at all trying to take away from his bullet where, where, whereas Tillman did yes that that I would rather have Cedric Tillman on my team if somebody made me pick between one or the other because I think his game translates more to the NFL Jalen had a great year we've talked about it a million times but in terms of the conversation of it translating to the NFL he he does need to prove that he didn't get open because of Josh Heupel's system, and I, like I think it's fair for somebody to have that thought. I, I really do, and I, and I know that there's this this video going around of of him this week at the at at pro day talking to the the Cowboys receivers coach, I, I guess it was, and about his ability to run routes and and whatnot. But like, there's still questions surrounding his ability to to run routes. Uh, so he's the one that I think has to to answer the the whole Tennessee offense question in the NFL more than anybody because I, I think Darnell Wright translates to the NFL regardless of scheme. I think Hendon and Tillman translate to the NFL regardless of scheme because that Georgia game, again, Hendon did not play well, not trying to say that, but the whole team and, and definitely the offense did not show up with the correct mindset. The receivers were not getting off of the line of scrimmage whatsoever. Georgia's DBs were straight bullying uh, Tennessee's receivers. Tennessee's O-line was getting bullied in the trenches, uh, and Hendon had no time to get rid of the football. You could tell, remember, there was that conversation and, and those quotes from Hendon after the game and, and kind of that Monday after the game about receivers not getting the play call and, and him kind of being dumbfounded as to why that was happening. Uh, so I, I think Hendon's going to translate to the NFL. Uh, not not saying that Ryan doesn't think that whatsoever, um, but I, I think his ability to make decisions, how hard of a worker that he is, how quickly he learns things and applies it, I think that's really going to to pay dividends for him. I think Jalen Hyatt's the one that's going to have to answer questions. But I don't think there's any doubt, Wes, that each of those positions, offensive line, quarterback, receiver, I think it's an unfair conversation that is going on right now in the world of college football about Tennessee's offense as if it's a uh, as if it's an offense for dummies and that that could not be further from the truth. Like like there's a lot of complexity complexity in in this offense that requires a lot of detail and focus and IQ that I don't think that they're getting enough credit for. But to eliminate that conversation, they they don't only need guys to get to the NFL. I do think they need guys to to play well in the NFL as well. I agree. That was a lot of wells. I apologize. No, no. I I I think everything. I pretty much agree with everything that you said there. I'm pretty sure I do. Actually, I I think with Hyatt, I would say 
I have zero doubt in my mind that he will stick in the NFL for for a long time. It's just what kind of player he's going to be at that level because his his ability, his football speed, like I don't know what his his forty speed is good, but like his football speed is incredible, and he can catch the ball. He can he can make some tough catches here and there. I think his speed, athleticism, and ability to make some big plays, I think will keep him on NFL rosters for a while. If he can develop into a guy who can do other things, then then okay. Then he can maybe be a star in the NFL. If he can do those other things, it's just a matter of can he go do those things. And I don't know if Cedric Tillman's ever going to be like a number one receiver in the NFL, but I think he could be – you could look up in a few years and he's like one of the best number two receivers in the league somewhere. I think he – I have just always been – He's. it's known that he's been in the dojo for a long time. Like everybody I think knows how highly I think of Cedric Tillman as a football player. Uh, I think he's a really good player. Uh, and I agree that with what Ben said about the offense. I think it's important for Tennessee. Um, it's one thing to be able to keep saying that you get these guys to the league, um, but at some point, you know, they got to break out and be really good players in the league, and I, that's going to take things to the next level. But I think overall, it was a productive draft for Tennessee. It was a, a second year in a row where I think Heupel and his staff have made some guys some money more than they would have if they had. Uh, like transferred out of the program or not transferred into the program or not stayed at the program, I think none of those guys are regretting their decision to come to Tennessee. Uh, I think right now what they've got going on, it's pretty impressive. And then if you're a wide receiver right now, Hypel can say, hey, in the past three or four years, nobody's gotten more wideouts drafted than I have. Kids are going to have to listen to that. They absolutely are. Uh, final thought for me, I was going to point that out. Josh Heifel now in multiple uh, settings at Big Orange Caravan Stops this week pointed out that he's had five receivers drafted in the in the past three years. Uh, I believe that's including a couple – I had to look it up. I, I believe that's including a couple of UCF players. But not including Ga- but not including Gabe Davis, who might be his best right. people in the league right now. Because Gabe, Gabe Davis was four years ago. So, yeah, I, I think that's including a, a, a UCF kind of tight end receiver and uh-huh. then a UCF receiver – Trey Nixon that also went in the draft a, a couple of years ago. So regardless, he, he's pointed that out back to back caravan stops now. So definitely interesting there. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it, it's something where, that uh, they're, they're hearing it in, in recruiting uh, or, or so certain players they're recruiting or are hearing stuff about that. But the bottom line is I think that it's one of those things, Tennessee's still going to get guys because they can produce. And, and the bottom line to me is this offense, while it has some, questions or knocks on it like you said Jalen Hyatt he went higher in the draft than I think he would have maybe wouldn't have gotten drafted at all if he was playing for say the previous staff Um, I I think he's clearly helped himself by playing for Josh Heupel so did the offense and the knock on it hurt more than the production that he got from it helped him I don't think so so I think at the end of the day this is an offense that still can help players but there is another level they can take it to they need to get guys to eventually go in the first and second rounds more consistently so that you can, to Ben's point, win more of those recruiting battles in the long run with the Georgias and the Alabamas. I agree, guys. I think we've left it at a pretty good place here. Unless y'all got anything else, I think we are. Uh, I think we've about run the course here. Are we good? I think so. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, boys. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee, 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.